I'm Jared Jaynes, and this is Impactful. There are many things that set us humans apart on this planet, but our ability to alter our environment has undoubtedly been the most impactful. Something that would have been impossible without the close relationship we have with technology. It's allowed us to harness the power of fire, make better predictions about the future, and to literally reshape the planet. But this power comes with a growing responsibility to use it wisely. In the past, we spent years or generations attempting, and often failing, to harness the power of technology. And as I've mentioned in, I think, all of the past Essentials episodes, the scary thing about modern life is that Unlike the gradual human evolution that we're used to, the pace at which technology evolves is much faster. And it's accelerating. That smartphone in your pocket would be practically inconceivable to anyone from just a few decades ago. That rapid and drastic change is something that we've never really had to deal with. If this pace of acceleration continues in the coming years, and most experts seem to agree that it will, it's going to become even more important to make a habit of asking ourselves how we can ensure that technology is having a positive effect on our lives. If we don't take this question seriously, we'll end up nothing but silent passengers in our increasingly technology-driven culture, each turn influenced by the physical form of our devices, the algorithms running on them, and by every newly added feature and bug. But if we make an effort to answer these questions, we can begin to have an influence on the paths we choose to take. Using technology wisely starts with us asking the right questions. Otherwise, we're blindly following its random direction. Only then can we see the roads to avoid. But this isn't a new idea. We've already started to see the trend of technology rejection. It's actually starting to be cool now to opt out of the digital world and get back in touch with our analog past. Who would have guessed that in 2016, vinyl record sales would be on the rise and rocking a flip phone would be a badge of honor? <laughs> I hope this rejection is sending a message to the companies creating these gadgets and apps. A message that says our technology should be adding, not subtracting from our lives. But sadly, not many people are making the choice to reject the negative aspects of these tools. Partially because they tend to be extremely addictive, but also because this choice comes at a price. I can't count how many friends I've seen leave Facebook because of its amazing ability to keep us distracted, only to come back a few weeks later because of the convenience of being able to connect with friends and family. The other big thing here is that the digital literacy that comes from using these tools and services is becoming a necessity if you want to contribute and cooperate in our modern world. And I don't see this trend slowing down. There are simply too many uses for new technology. It has the potential to lead the fight against poverty, war, famine, disease, violence, tyranny, corruption, climate change, and ironically, all of the future problems created by technology. But this circular process leads to new possibilities, 
I mean, look how far we've already come. I know I'd never switch places with someone from the Bronze Age. In fact, if I was born just a few decades earlier, I probably wouldn't have lived to see my 20s. I was born with a genetic disease called cystic fibrosis, and I can already credit about half of my living years to the technologies of modern medicine. Rejecting new technology should be the last resort, and unfortunately, it'll become more common for those who make this decision to get left behind. But if we put effort into making these tools work for us, the results speak for themselves. When used well, these tools become extensions of ourselves. Shit, I think I finally figured out how to avoid the negative parts of Facebook. But I will say, they didn't make it easy. It takes effort to ensure we're using these things correctly. Nikola Danilov, the guest for this episode, told me a great story about some of the adjustments he made to the way he uses technology in his life. Uh, let me start with a small thing. So I'm a cyclist, and uh, I used to have, you know, a very sophisticated cycling computer with a GPS and all kinds of things on it. And I was always obsessed. What's my average speed? What's this? What's that? What's like everything, all the data. And, you know, about four years ago, I popped up my back uh, and it took me about a year to be able to sort of recover sufficiently to be able to bike. And one of the things that I discovered is that, you know, I have a lot f more fun biking if I don't have all that data in front of me all the time. Because then I'm obsessed. It's all about the data. And it's not so much about the experience. It's not about being present in the moment. It's not about enjoying the ride itself. But it's about, oh, my speed is not enough. Or, oh, uh, my cadence is not high enough. Or, oh, something else. Uh, so I took off my uh, computer and I've been biking without one. I mean, I do record all my rides uh, in my phone, uh, but I don't monitor it during the ride. I only see what's happened afterwards. And then I can analyze it and I upload it and I collect it and log it. So that's still very helpful. But during the ride itself, I focus on the ride. And that's just one small example where too much data can be distracting and can take away from the experience. And I think many people can associate easily with that. I love this story because it's such a simple and clear example of how these new technologies often forget the human aspect of design. If we make a habit of putting all the tools we use on a daily basis through this type of critical analysis, it can have a huge impact. And more importantly, this is a way of taking control of something that doesn't always have our best interests in mind. I have a hard time stressing how important this is. Luckily, Nicola has interviewed over 200 leading technology experts on his podcast, so he was able to sum this point up very clearly. So, first of all, let me just uh, say for the record that technology is not agnostic, right? That, that's an impossibility. Everything that has been designed by humans carries the charge, the values, the goals, the aims, the blind spots, and the ethics, consciously or subconsciously, deliberately or not, it carries all that charge from the designer to the manufacturer to the creator to the engineer and everyone who's been involved in the creation of that process. So technology is not impartial or, or perfectly objective or anything like that. Actually, I just watched yesterday... This is such an important thing to keep in mind. 
And it's probably why Nicola and I's conversation ended up circling back to the importance of educating the creators of our technology about the impact their decisions have on us. I'd love to include more from the interview, but since my audio app strangely malfunctioned halfway through recording, I'll have to speak for Nicola going forward. Maybe a coincidence, or maybe the robot overlords didn't approve of this message. I guess I better avoid any robophobic conclusions here. Now, putting my tinfoil hat aside, I, I think Nicola's emphasis on educating our engineers and designers is extremely important. But like any big challenges, we're going to need a variety of solutions. Luckily, there's a lot of smart people tackling this problem. One of my favorite approaches is from a new movement called Time Well Spent. It aims to create an incentive for companies to set goals and monitor the metrics that benefit their users, not just their bank accounts. The founder, Tristan Harris, worked at Google as a design ethicist for three years. He understands more than most that manipulative techniques are often used to keep us distracted by our popular apps. And sadly, the well-being of the users is commonly overlooked. Giving companies the time-well-spent certification, kind of like a lead certification, would be a way for them to tell their customers that they care about their time and attention. And more importantly, they don't just see their users as advertising impressions. Using technology wisely means setting the right goals. Otherwise, we the users are giving up all the control. That's the beauty of consumer markets. If there's a demand for something, the successful companies are the ones that choose to supply it. But while it might seem simple in theory, we all know that in practice, it can be hard to reject the apps and features that everyone around us is using. We're social creatures, and whether we like to admit it or not, there's a conscious and subconscious urge to follow the pack. Which leads me to a community-based approach to adopting technology that I think we could learn a lot from. The Amish way. Yeah, you heard me right. I think these communities have a lot to teach, even though they have a reputation of removing themselves from modern life. But here's the thing. That characterization isn't entirely true. It's not uncommon for Amish communities to use cell phones and solar energy and even the internet. The main difference here is that they take a very cautious and deliberate approach to adopting new technology. Towards the end of Nicola and I's conversation, we ended up talking about their process in detail. Nicola started out by pointing out that there's no centralized Amish authority, and each community makes these decisions locally. The process starts with an open community discussion and debate about the proposed technology. Then, if they agree that it's worth looking into, they move on to a testing period. In this phase, both the testers and those who know them best pay close attention to the effect that it has on them, their family, and the community as a whole. If at any time in this process it's decided that the technology is leading to negative consequences that outweigh the benefits, they agree to no longer use it. And even if it passes the testing, they're still sure to keep a close eye on things and continue to have an open dialogue. Obviously, their lifestyle leads to the adoption bar being set extremely high. But we should have a lot of respect for this process. I have no doubt that the rest of our culture 
could benefit from incorporating some of these ideas, especially as it becomes harder to keep up with the rapid change ahead. We're already struggling to wisely incorporate Facebook, Gmail, and Pokemon into our lives. And these apps are just the tip of the technological iceberg. Things like artificial intelligence, genetic engineering, and virtual reality are just a few years away from affecting pretty much every aspect of our daily lives. And the capabilities of these new tools will make your smartphone look about as impressive and useful as the printing press does to us now. I'd love to go into more detail about these tech trends, but I'd probably end up ranting and raving for a few more hours. In the 200th episode of Nicola's podcast, Singularity One-on-One, he interviewed one of my favorite thinkers, Kevin Kelly. If you want to hear more about how technology will likely affect us in the future, it's a must-listen. Kevin's ideas about the future came up a lot during my chat with Nicola, and it's a great way to frame a conversation around the challenges of the future. And that's just what Nicola is trying to do start conversations about the ethical side of technology. Luckily, I actually get the sense that it's becoming easier every day to have these conversations. Public figures like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking have been extremely vocal about the potential problems of things like artificial intelligence, and Hollywood is popularizing these ideas too. There's no shortage of dystopian sci-fi thrillers that spell out the worst-case future scenarios it's pretty safe to assume that most people are familiar with Terminator, The Matrix, and countless other cautionary tales. And it makes sense. As we've talked about before, our buggy brains are attracted to doom and gloom. But it's a good thing we're talking about this stuff. I just wish we could see more stories about how great the future could be. I can only think of a handful of movies that even make an attempt. Star Trek did this in the past, but Unfortunately, its audience tends to be a little specific. But I don't think it's impossible to spread this message. My favorite movie, Her, got quite a bit of public praise and even won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. It painted a picture of a near future where technology made everyday life a breeze. A world where people have the luxury to focus on the deeply human questions we all face. Questions about our own happiness. You know, the types of stuff I'm always blabbering about. But if we want to live in a her-like future, it's going to take a group effort. Using technology wisely relies on us being able to work together. And luckily, one of the things it does best is help us cooperate with one another. It's easy for us to take the technology in our lives for granted. The fact that you and hundreds of others are able to listen to me at this exact moment regardless of where you are on the globe, is amazing when you think about it. When we use technology wisely, it leads to a level of freedom that would be inconceivable to our ancestors. Freedom born from our growing access to information, connection, health, and well-being. But to get there, we have to remember to be aware of the impact technology has on us. We have to remember to set the right goals as we create it and we need to work together to steer it in the right direction. If we can do that, the possibilities are endless.
influences, supplementary material, and everything I talked about in this episode can be found at impactfulcast.com. See you there.